What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Welcome to Right and Wrong. This is the show where we try to wake up the woke by talking common sense about the issues of the day. I'm your host, Brian Ruka, and with me as always is my friend and yours, producer Juice, over there holding things down. What do you have to say to the people out there in the Right and Wrong audience this week, Mr. Juice? Uh, Listen, Canadians uh, are watching very closely. Uh, Obviously, everyone in China uh, should be allowed to express themselves, uh, should be allowed to uh, share their their perspectives uh, and, uh, indeed, protest. We're going to continue to ensure uh, that China knows we'll stand up for human rights, we'll stand uh, with people who are expressing themselves. Uh, We also need to make sure that China and places around the world are respecting journalists and their ability to do their job. Uh, We'll continue to make that very clear. The federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act to supplement provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and occupations. Lying isn't good. And I hope you remember that the next time you think you're about to lie. (laughs) Amen to that, brother. Absolutely. Keep coming strong with those every week, my friend. Well, today we got a jam-packed show as usual for you. We're going to be back on schedule this week. We have a lot of stories to get to. We're going to be talking about how it came out that Twitter, um, Elon Musk has has released that Twitter really was suppressing stories and, um, you know, helping shape the way the elections were going to go in the past. So we'll get into that story. We'll talk about how Mayor Adams and his brand of uh, New York City, being a brand over there, is uh, finally going to commit to rounding up the deranged homeless people living on the streets. Um, We're also going to talk about Disney uh, CEO Bob Iger coming back into the fold and how the more things change, the more they're going to stay the same. You know, he is putting a, a nice face on, talking about maybe trying to get out of the game of politics, but we all know that they have no such intentions. They're just going to be a little bit smarter about uh, disguising it and hiding it in some of their content, I think. So we'll kind of get into that story as well. And then on our Come On Man segment of the day, we're going to go to Libs of TikTok to find another one of our pronoun pals out there. This time, it's a girl who literally trained her family on how to properly gender her. It, they, them, whatever she wants to go by. I'm not sure, but we'll get to that at the end of the show. So I guess it's that time when we need to bring in our good old friend, Mr. Ric Flair, because you know what time it is, people. It is showtime, baby. Woo! Showtime! Woo! 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 Seems like every piece of entertainment these days is retro and nostalgic. We get the mega hit Stranger Things that's owed, what, 80% of its success to the 80s era small town setting that made its target audience feel all warm and fuzzy inside. When Disney's not making new woke movies, they're busy making live action remakes of all the movies that people my age grew up watching. 
Ghostbusters got a remake slash rebranding with an all-female cast. There's another new Indiana Jones in the works where they plan to use, like, de-aging technology to make the 80-year-old Harrison Ford look like he's 40. Well, this brings me to the latest piece of nostalgic entertainment. The new movie out on HBO Max called A Christmas Story Christmas. I would have never given it a try, but the future right and wrong accountant, the great Joskino, gave it a thumbs up. So I decided to give it a try. I'll admit, when the thumbs up came with an extra no-woke nonsense from the Josk, any hesitation was quickly removed. The movie was enjoyable and hit all the right Christmas movie themes. I can confirm that the no-woke nonsense was an accurate observation. Which, of course, is a rarity these days. It would have been more likely for Flick and Schwartz to be happily married as opposed to bickering with each other still like they did when they were kids. The reason I bring this up, and the reason I think it's important, is because I think we've become a society that refuses to grow up and accept the responsibility that comes with being adults. We would rather live in a continuous loop of the entertainment that we enjoyed as children. Do you remember that scene in Titanic when the men go off to drink brandy, smoke cigars, and discuss politics, while Jack and Rose sneak off to get wasted and dance? Well, it feels like my entire generation wants to continue to go through life in a perpetual state of adolescence rather than grow up and take control of the world that we live in. We'd rather be Jack and Rose on a bender instead of being at the adult table with Billy Zane. Generations before us used to discuss political issues of their day. We've been taught to avoid discussing politics at all costs. Listen, I'm all for hanging out, throwing back a large amount of Miller Lights and reliving the glory days, but I've been there and I've done that a million times already. It's much more enjoyable for me to discuss the political issues of our time while enjoying a couple of cold Stellas. At least it's a discussion that we actually have some control over. We have a say in these issues. How else are we going to form opinions about the issues if we just continue going on avoiding talking about them? I can talk sports and movies with you all day long, but what is that going to do for us at the end of the day? Nothing. Not a zilch. Who cares if I think Matt Patricia is an ass clown who should be removed from the New England Patriots coaching staff? I don't have the opportunity to vote on my favorite football team's coaching staff hires. On the flip side of that, if you're willing to have an adult conversation with me about why I'm pro-life, then maybe you'd learn that it's not just because I'm a man who wants to control women's bodies. Maybe you'd think about a topic in a way that you've never considered before. And maybe you'd make me think in a way that I haven't considered before either. But at the end of the day, at least the conversation would be meaningful. At the very least, the people having those types of conversations will be able to use that information when they enter the voting booth. We have an 80-year-old dementia patient that we should be visiting in a nursing home as our president. The former president is pushing 80 and trying to run for re-election and has been in the public eye for 50-some-odd years already. The Speaker of the House is old as dirt and has had more work done on her face than Joan Rivers. When is my generation going to grow up and take control? We need to stop wasting our time reliving our childhoods and start realizing that we have the power to make our country a better place. But we need to start by actually talking about how to do it and why to do it. And at the end of the day, we need to get comfortable 
simply talking politics in polite conversation, as opposed to just talking about politics in over-the-top social media posts. Well, join me in a brandy, gentlemen. What a good idea. Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time in the show where we're going to get to our rights and wrongs of the week. And I got to be honest with you, we're going to be changing things up a little bit uh, on this week's episode, and we're going to see how it flies. Uh, see if this is something that you know we enjoy doing and the listeners enjoy listening to. So instead of our uh, traditional rights and then wrongs later on in the show, we're just going to kind of go through all the uh, stories that we want to get to today, and um, you know we'll kind of comment and let you decide. A little bit too, whether they should be considered right or wrong. Uh, I think I, I probably am going to tend towards reading you more stories that have fallen in that wrong category because I'm just a, uh, I'm just that kind of a guy, I guess. So let's start things off here with this uh, story that's been going around for the last couple of weeks about Balenciaga. I'm sure everybody has heard about it. They are um, a world famous fashion business industry, I guess. Uh, you know, I never really heard of them before because I just don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. But I guess um, that Jenner girl, whatever one of them there is, uh, Kylie, Kyrie, Kaylee, I don't know. They all blend together for me. So the one who, Kim, Kim, no, Kardashian. That's what they are, right? They're not Jenners, they're Kardashians. <laughs> Silly me. Oh, we're off to a great start with this new format, huh? Uh, but anyways, this story here, um, they're a fashion business, fashion company that's come under fire because they've set out and released a couple of ads recently that had children um, being sexualized and, and Satanized, kind of. It's a really bizarre story. The interesting thing, you know, I find with it is that this company actually came out and stripped everything off their Instagram account apologized about it and you know are trying to do everything they can to turn the narrative around but of course according to the washington post conservatives are pouncing to try and tie this company to child pornography which is absolutely absurd i guess i'll try and break it down a little bit more plain for you there was this one uh photo that was up of a child blank faced standing on a bed holding a teddy bear that was dressed in BDM, BDSM. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, that kind of gear, you know, leather, assless chaps, a whip in its hand, you know, that kind of stuff. And it was bizarre and strange, and people started calling it out. And at the same time, they had another ad going on, another ad campaign that had a child in like a law office or just in, in a, in an office, there were like documents out on the desk in front of the child or around the child. And one of them was about a Supreme court ruling about pedophilia. So people were like, what the hell? And then since then it's kind of jumped off even more. There's like people putting up like these crazy theory videos. Now there's stuff up on TikTok. Um, You know, there, there's talk about they're using the symbol Bail, B-A-A-L, instead of um, the way that the word is spelled, Balencia, B-A-L-E-N. You know, there's another ad that has the image spelled out, B-A-A-L-E-N-C-I-A-G-A. So I guess 
Baal is like a demon, Satanist, like something that people worship. So everybody's like, what the hell is going on with these people? And what are they doing? And it really, you know, makes you open your eyes a little bit when you look at some of the people that are in control of things in this world today. And they're just not good people. And, you know, we've, I feel like us, like normal people, have gone through our lives like, oh, well, that's Hollywood for you. That's the fashion industry. That's, you know, the movie business, like whatever it may be. But why do we accept these things? Why, like, if that's what this company's all about, you know, if they're into exploiting children and, you know, we know that some of these elite people in the world were on Epstein Island, you don't think these people run in those same circles? Why do we give them our business? Why do people buy things from this this company? Why do we let them be famous? And it's just frustrating because I mentioned the Kardashians a few minutes ago. People like that would not be famous if we stopped paying attention to them. And I guess I'm the pot calling the kettle black because I'm sitting here talking about them. It's more about this stupid company. Like, you can't find a fashion company from somewhere else. You can't find a normal you know, group that's just going to make some clothes for you, make some perfume or whatever. You have to do this high-end, creepy, satanic, you know, weirdo fashion designer company to get your stuff from. I don't get it. And I'm glad it's at least coming into the light and people are calling them out for it. The way that you know it's really bad and it's really, like, true is their reaction, the company's reaction of scrubbing their Instagram account putting up like this long apology about how they didn't realize, you know, they didn't pay enough attention to the ad campaign and that they will fix it in the future. And they are, you know, looking to sue the company that organized the shoot with them over it. So they're reacting to it because they realize just how bad it is. And they realize they got their, their asses caught with their hand in the cookie jar. I hope you guys are aware of that. And I'm sure we'll find out more and more as the uh, days and weeks pass. Next, dragging our kids down into the pit of hell. So while we're on the topic of uh, children and being exploited and everything, let's shift our gears to uh, what's going on in the House of the Mouse down there in, uh, you know, Florida after they had their public battle with the governor uh, and next president of the United States, Ron from Florida. We'll see, you know, what's going on with their company right now. And I guess I'll catch you up to speed. I know I've talked about it a lot on the show here, but basically, you know, Disney World, the the execs at Disney, the Disney company, uh, you know, not just Disney World, but the company itself threw their uh, hat into the ring and tried to challenge a law that was being passed in the great state of Florida by Governor DeSantis that was going to protect children under eight years old, I think it was, uh, third grade and lower. He was going to, the, the law basically protected those children from being taught LGBTQ relationship type of stuff in their classrooms. And the media quickly pounced on it. You see, we can do that too. You know, the, the left always does Republicans pounce. But no, the, the Democrats pounced on the Republican governor, Ron DeSantis, and tried to say that he was pushing a bill called the, quote, don't say gay bill. That's what they labeled it. And that's far from what the bill actually was. It it literally was just, hey, if you're in the third grade or lower, we're not going to be teaching stuff in class about little Johnny having three mothers and little Billy having 
a mom and a dad and a third dad or a second dad that lives in the house or his dad was a dad and now is a mom. Like, nope, none of those types of stories are going on in there. That story that got taught to my son in the in the fifth grade would not be allowed in that third grade or lower classroom. Personally, I think it should have gone further than that, but we got to take baby steps. So Disney, faced with backlash from their woke employees and the left media apparatus, decided to comment on it and make a threat about, you know, pushing to get it removed or something along those lines. And DeSantis was like, go ahead, try it. I don't care. This is what's going to happen. And you know what? You are receiving a hefty amount of tax breaks and benefits from the government here in Florida to run your business here in our country. So you know what? We're just going to take those away too. And you can just be treated like a regular company if you uh, you know, want to come out and enter enter the ring of politics here with us. And Disney was like, what? We're not used to this. And you know, there's been a backlash ever since. Their stock price has plummeted. They're completely bombing in all their movies that are coming out. Lightyear was terrible, had a, had a lesbian kiss in it, and they replaced the actor Tim Allen, who voices Buzz Lightyear because he's a conservative. Um, they also fired Gina Carana for simply putting a tweet up. They What else did they do? They just released a movie that has a 16-year-old boy falling in love with another boy, um, it has all these go green initiatives hidden in the, not hidden, not so hidden in their, uh, agenda during the movie. And it even comes with a disabled dog in the film in a biracial, um, mom and dad. So they, they checked all the boxes during that one and that movie tanked as well. So basically the company's just been going downhill. I was going to say slowly, but it's actually pretty rapid, rapid. They are crashing and burning and it's because they're letting themselves get involved with politics. And obviously all these stupid companies, all these um, liberal arts types of places that are, you know, in the Hollywood environment are going to be loaded with woke employees. That's just, you know, the pipeline that they, they get that through schooling, through where they're hanging out, the colleges they're in, and then they get jobs in that industry and they just bring it with them. And there used to be adults in the room that would be like, hey, you know what? Well, we're not going to bring that into our company. You might have that in your own life. That's fine, whatever. But we're not going to you know, make our stock price tank and tell 90% of our audience that we don't align with their value system. They used to know that. So they fired their CEO, who was in charge during all this, and they replaced him with the man that he replaced, Bob Iger. So Iger um, came back into the company. He's going to be tasked with writing the ship, putting things back together. You know, there was audio released by the great reporter, Mr. Chris Rufo. And he has some audio from Iger's address to like, I think in-house it was. I was going to say stockholders, but I think it's just people in-house uh, about, you know, what his vision is going to be coming back. So I'd like to play a little bit of that for you and kind of, you know, give you my opinion on what, what he's talking about. So Juice, you got the uh, clip number one for me? All right, another virtual question. What is your stance on the don't say gay situation? Well, first of all, uh, our LGBTQ employees are very important to us, and we care deeply about them. That is a given. We also, when you tell stories, it's a delicate balance. You're talking to an audience 
but it's also important to listen to an audience. It's important to have respect for the people that you're serving, that you're trying to reach, and not have disdain for it. Hmm. That's a loaded uh, response, I guess, huh? Pretty much, I mean, I take that as him saying, oh, we have disdain for you conservative, traditional families out there that typically would consume these nice, warm, fuzzy Disney family movies. But we've been taken over by LGBTQ activists who are trying to force feed their agenda down your throats and they hate you and disdain you for not believing in the LGBTQ code of ethics and morals. So we're going to back off from that a little bit and just have to remind ourselves that you are our customers and we need to create content that's going to speak to you instead of forcing our beliefs and, you know, judgments down on you. And he just said it a little bit more politely than I did and tried to make it sound pretty cool. But that's pretty much what he was saying. Um, that one's a good one. And then I have one more that I'd like to play from that, too, and see what he had to say to this. So uh, once again, this is Bob Iger um, answering questions about what he's going to do as the returning CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Juice, you got that one? Many cast members had wished that Disney stayed out of politics Will Disney stay out of making political statements? You know, I think uh, there's a misperception here about what politics is. And I think that some of the subjects that have proven to be controversial as it relates to Disney have been branded political, and I don't necessarily believe they are. I don't think when you are telling stories and attempting to be a good citizen of the world that that's political. Now, that one, I have a very big problem with. Um, I mean, I have a problem with the one he said before, too. But just that general attitude. First, it starts off with the, like the sigh from him. I guess I have to answer this. And then he tries to talk, you know, in this sophisticated manner um, and seem like he comes across as above it all. And this type of attitude in the people who try to, like, talk about politics this way really really frustrate me and you guys all know somebody like this um i i actually say that he's more in the majority and we are the ones who are in the minority here that want to talk about politics and realize that you know politics is our daily life and um everything we do is political because we live in a community and an environment um together with other people so you know, the decisions we make, the way things run, they all happen to be political. This man, on the other hand, um, wants to try to trick you into believing that when they force feed LGBTQ um, themes down your throat, when they have a cartoon character um, that's a man holding a box of tampons, that that's not political. Excuse me, which of these products would you recommend? Oh, um, well, these are the tampons I usually use. Thank you. I prefer pads. They're more comfortable for me. Thank you. I always get the ones with wings. Thank you. Get unscented and bleach free if you can. Thank you. Yo, my daughter loves these. When they have a girl-girl kiss in a movie geared towards eight-year-old children, he wants you to believe that that's not political. When he has 
staffers on you know that work on these projects caught on camera openly admitting i've been trying to hide my not so secret agenda my not so secret gay agenda into these uh films and movies and shows for years now that that's not political i mean of course it is everything we do together as a community as a society and disney as a company while you're marketing your products to our children is political my friend so don't let him get up there and try and say that oh you know i don't think that the backlash being caused here um you know i think it's being branded political even though it's not really a political issue we're just trying to make good citizens of the world a citizen of the world what are you talking about we're here in america they're american citizens i don't care what you what you want to tell the citizens of the rest of the world but here in this country, with us here in America, we have a say in, in the political atmosphere. And, you know, you're being taught a lesson right now at the at the stock market, at the wallet. We're showing you how we feel about that by removing Disney Plus from our, you know, list of things that we pay for. We're showing you how we feel about it by traveling and spending a boatload of money to go visit Disney World right now because... You're the company who removed, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, from your parks. Are you bringing that back, Bobby? Because if you do, then I'll come back and visit again. I love the place. I am a Disney fanatic. But I wasn't being groomed the way you guys are trying to groom our children nowadays. Don't get up there and try and sit there with a straight face, trying to look all dignified and say, Whoa, it's not really political. People are trying to politicize, you know, just stuff where we're trying to create good citizens, make people good. And that's the man who has disdain for us because, you know, us conservatives, us um, religious people, us just basically normal people don't want to teach our children that it's normal and rational and sane to be a man dressed as a woman claiming to be a woman and holding a box of tampons or to normalize kids having two daddies or two mommies or vice versa or whatever else other combination you want to have. Sorry, we're not trying to teach that to our children. Bob, don't kid yourself, man. It's 100% political. You know it and we know it. And all you're going to do is try to hide it a little bit better than you did before. You had free reign for a long time there, and nobody called you on it. And now that people are noticing it, talking about it, and most importantly, showing you how they feel about it with their wallets, now you're going to pretend like, oh, it's not political. Not going to work, my friend. We're keeping a close eye on you, and we'll be happy to point it out when you are trying to hide it a little bit better going forward. Next. gorge. <laughs> All right, let's go with a couple of stories back-to-back uh, -back coming up here that have to do with um, city politics. We'll start with uh, the Big Apple here and the president of the brand himself, Mr. Uh, Mayor Adams, over there in New York. So what did Mayor Adams do? I'm glad you guys asked. He actually did something pretty good. He decided that he was going to you know, issue an order for police and emergency services to be able to more aggressively hospitalize those with mental illness 
who are on the streets um, and even hospitalize them involuntarily, which is a great, great thing. And I'm reading that from um, The Guardian. It's an article in The Guardian that I grabbed. Um, but the headline on it is awesome. It says, New York mayor plans to hospitalize mentally ill people involuntarily. And I say to that, bravo, Mayor Adams. Bravo. Um, I think it's ridiculous that we don't do stuff like that for the mentally ill. If you have a mental illness, severe mental illness, enough that you're living out on the streets, you're either in serious trouble and seriously mentally ill, or your mental illness has turned you into like a drug addict, alcoholic, and that's why you're out there living on the streets as well. End of the day, it's not sane, it's not um, nice, and it's not looking out for their best interest to allow them to stay out there, to allow them to continue to spiral out of control. You think anybody's bettering themselves living out on the streets, living in a box? And we think it's okay because we just, you know, it'd be too mean to grab that person and, and involuntarily commit them to a mental institution or to, you know, some sort of rehabilitation center or whatever it may be. Obviously, when the people are mentally ill or addicted to something and they have control over it, they can check themselves out voluntarily. Of course, they're going to do that. And that's what continues to keep happening. So the only way to actually deal with situations like this is by doing what Mayor Adams is doing here and forcing it to be out of their control. They don't have the right to continue to degrade themselves and wilt away and live in filth and squalor. So... I love that we're going to do this. I, you know, personally, I wish we could go back and get mental institutions back up and running the way they used to be when, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson was staying in one with the chief. I think that was great. And the key factor in it all is it has to be involuntary. You cannot allow people the choice to just walk out whenever they want. If things are difficult, if, you know, they're not getting access to whatever they might want, because it's just, it's not nice to continue doing what we're doing with them. We think that it's mean to, to to force someone against their will to stay in an institution and get clean. I think it's mean and cruel to not force them to do that, to allow them to continue to make bad choices and to live in filth like that and to live out on the street. All these people that feel bad about wanting to, you know, force them into an institution would be the same people that are going to step over them walking down the street or across the street to avoid them when they see them out there or not bring their children down a certain area because that's where all the homeless are laying around and huddled up in masses. So don't get all high and mighty thinking that you're this great person because you don't want to uh, force somebody into an institution. You're actually making things worse by holding that mindset. Next. I've got to tell you guys something. You just don't want to learn anything. All right, this story, I told you we were going back-to-back -back city stories. This one's going to be from Boston.com, back to my old stomping ground. And one of the stars of this article is going to be uh, one of my favorite people to, to mess with on Twitter, Counselor Julia Mejia. Julia Mejia, I think that's her name. Um, but she has the tendency to wear these horribly, ugly, hideous um, berets. I think that's what they're called, those French-looking hats. Oui. She has one in, like, every color you could see, hanging off the side of her head. 
I told you guys, I used to work um, for the city of Boston. I used to work security. So, you know, when somebody would use their ID badge to enter the building, um, you know, it would pop up on a screen and she even had her ID badge, her personal ID for the city of Boston wearing a hat in the picture. What special treatment that is, huh? Absolutely absurd. But anyways, this story here from Boston.com, the headline says, Boston takes step toward lowering voting age to 16 in city elections. The city council voted 9-4 to to advance a proposal that would change the age required to vote in local level elections. What are we doing here, people? If I can channel my inner Sebastian uh, Manikalsko, what are we doing here, people? Just do what everybody else is doing. Are we serious here? What are we doing? Can you just do what everyone else is doing? Unbelievable. Just vote at 18 like the rest of us here. What are you doing? Just do what we are doing. Don't do some weird workout that you saw. (laughs) That was probably horrible. But uh, anyways, yeah, this story's ridiculous. Um, Here, I wanted to find something specifically in here because it made me laugh when I was reading it. It says in the story, proponents argue the petition will help encourage young people to participate and engage in their local government. In fact, many already do, according to counselor Julia Mejia, a lead sponsor of this bill. Many of the city's teens pay income tax and have tried to make their voices heard, including through protests and other demonstrations, she said. Quote, Mejia, the notion that young people may not be mature enough to make decisions like this, I just want to quickly acknowledge oftentimes it's young people who are educating their parents and their uncles and aunts and older folks about who's running for office and why they should vote. Woof. I added the woof. She didn't say that in the quote. Um, what is she talking about? I don't, I don't know any young people that are doing that. Any young people that are engaged in voting are ones that are being manipulated by people like her. The young people that are being taught to organize and demonstrate and protest. I remember when a bunch of kids got to leave school because, um, a former city councilor in Boston, Tito Jackson used them as a prop to go march down to the state house into government center at city hall about some, I don't even know what the protest was about. It was foolish. But what kid in high school isn't going to leave school when a grown adult, you know, politician encourages them to do it, to walk out and actually tells them that they're strong, heroic, and smart by doing it. Any kid would just walk out of school if they think they can do that. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's these politicians that exploit people that are that young and impressionable, make them think that they, you know... This is the way to make their voices heard and to have a say when in reality, the way to make their voices heard is by being in school, getting their education and reading and and paying attention to what's going on. They can still pay attention, take part in engage in the political environment. They just can't go and vote yet because their minds aren't fully developed yet. And if you ask me, it's going the wrong way. I want to make it from, you know, 18 up to 21. These kids are so immature and so ridiculous, I think, when they're coming out that they're not ready at that point to look at things reasonably. They're not. And to lower the age would just be a travesty and and, an absolute joke. And, you know, a little side part of this that I wrote it um, to Councilor Mejia on Twitter, actually. And 
little bit tongue in cheek, but you know, it is an actual concern of mine too. But by lowering the voting age, if they start making this a, a regular thing, you know, down to 16, 17, 15, is this their first step in trying to get us to accept um, children as adults at younger and younger ages? And in turn, start allowing them to be more sexualized at a younger age? I mean, what was the first story we talked about, the Valencia stuff? They're already trying to exploit and sexualize our children. They're already doing it. Disney, that's a story we just covered too. What about these transgender surgeries and stuff like that? They keep trying, they're offering it to children that are 16, 17 years old, mutilating their body parts. And one of our only defenses from, you know, the stuffy conservatives, the Mitt Romney type conservatives, well, they don't have, they're not of legal age to consent. What better way to get them to consent than just by lowering that age of consent? And it starts by, you know, letting them vote at a younger age. Then you can say, oh, well, we're letting them vote on issues. They're 15, 16 years old and they're voting on these issues. Only natural to allow them to now act on these things, too. I mean, how can you let them vote, but you can't even let them, you know, chop their own penises off? (laughs) That's ridiculous. So now that's the new age of consent. And if that's the age of consent to mutilate your body, that must be the age of consent to have sex with a grown-up. That must be the age of consent to marry someone if you want. It's all just about love. Love is love, right? So this is a dangerous, slippery slope, and I, for one, am not going to stand for it. I'm glad it's not happening here in South Carolina, but my people back up there in Boston, you better get vocal about this and don't allow this stuff to get passed, please. Next. All right. So the last story we want to get to in this segment here today is um, maybe the most important one, so I'll learn a lesson if I buried it in the in the end, but kind of relates to a lot of the stuff we've have touched on so far. So that's why I wanted to, um, you know, save this one, but it is the bombshell report coming out, um, about what's going on in Twitter right now. And, you know, I had a story, I had it printed out from a couple of days ago from, um, where was this one from, from the guardian. And that one's not even as relevant anymore because more information has come out, but Basically, Elon Musk is unleashing all the old files on as to what happened with the suppress suppression of information over at Twitter. And rightfully, like we predicted and like it was pretty obvious, you know, these leftists that were in control of that company. And when I say leftists as a group, I mean, like all the people working in there, um, it's probably 90 percent. Democrat um, in not just your standard, you know, center left Democrats. These people are like progressives, like young, progressive, idealistic, you know, college brainwashed kids still in positions of power in that company. And they suppressed information in order to affect an election. Plain and simple. That's what happened. We all saw it happen in real time. At least we're getting the proof now to show us, you know, what we, what our eyeballs already could tell. And that's why they hate Elon Musk so much. That's why they fear him so much because he's pulling the curtain back. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Believe me, we're paying plenty of attention to what's going on. 
So some of the stuff I want to read from is actually an um, article in the Daily Wire, and the headline is, Musk releases Hunter Biden files, tweets deleted at behest of Team Biden, exec was key behind censorship decision. So this whole story is basically a series of tweets that got released from a reporter, Matt Tabani, I think, T-A-I-B-B-I. I don't know. I butchered that name, I'm sure, but he has a sub stack and he, um, you know, he got the access to go through all the, all the material and, and, you know, released like a thread of tweets and has a story up about it. And what did Musk say? Oh, Musk like quote tweeted the guy's original thread and just wrote, here we go. All right. So in the story, um, it began by explaining that the company was slowly forced to add tools for controlling speech that were designed to combat the lies of spam and financial fraudsters. But slowly over time, Twitter staff and executives began to find more and more uses to these tools. Outsiders began petitioning the company to manipulate speech as well. First a little, then more often, then consistently. By 2020, requests from connected actors to delete tweets were routine. One executive would write to another, more to review from the Biden team, the reply would come, handled. Wow. I mean, we know about the Hunter Biden story and how that was suppressed. And you're just seeing that, like I said, everything we had thought and predicted is exactly what was happening. That's what they were doing. Back to the story here. Um, It says celebrities and unknown alike could be removed or reviewed at the behest of a political party. Both parties had access to these tools. For instance, in 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were received and honored. However, this system wasn't balanced. It was based on contacts. Because Twitter was and is overwhelmingly staffed by people of one political orientation, there were more channels, more ways to complain, open to the left than the right. The New York Post published Biden secret emails on October 14th, 2020, a report about a laptop belonging to Biden's son. Twitter took extraordinary steps to suppress the story, removing links and postings uh, and posting warnings that it may be unsafe. They even blocked the ability to direct message that. And the story says before that, that's an extreme thing to block a direct message share of something. And the only cases they would do that before would be extreme cases of child pornography. So simply sharing a story from the New York Post was on the same grounds as child pornography. And all this stuff goes back to something that we mentioned on this show before, and I'm sure you've heard other places, but that poll that came out after the information about this story, you know, started trickling out months after the 2020 election. And people were polled in swing states, and I think it was about 17% said that they would have voted the other way had they known this story before they went to vote. That would have changed the election. Twitter and the the far-left progressive extremists stole an election. That's what they did. And the problem with President Trump and and the way he articulates this is he still talks about it as like a complete, like, just messed up the count fraud, like that type of way. 
which I'm sure some of that might have happened too, but I believe it was stolen idealistically like this and by through controlling the flow of information. So we affected that election the same way the Chinese Communist Party affects the elections in China by just allowing its citizens controlling what its citizens can and cannot see or have access to or have knowledge about. What better way to get somebody to vote for you than if they don't realize how manipulative and destructive and corrupt you actually are. And all they, they see orange man bad all day on, on the news, um, you know, talking, talking bold and crash and, and combative with the media who's trying to egg them on all the time. You know, that's all they see from that side. And then all they see is Grandpa Joe squeaky clean hanging in his basement. They don't find out that he's really the big guy getting kickbacks from his drug addict son while he's running around the globe getting bags of cash for his daddy's influence. That's effed up, people. Again, I feel like my audience here that that you like we skew on the uh, a little bit older front, you know, not super tech savvy, I guess. So. I like to talk about Twitter a lot because it is super important. And even though all of us might not be on it or, you know, some of you out in the audience might not be Twitter users, that is where most conversation happens. Uh, Most people get their news stories. That's where the public influence is strongest. So when one side of the aisle gets suppressed on that platform and you only hear the bad things about them and good things from their opponents. Um, it, it can really, really, really do a number on what people's point of view are when they go into a voting booth. So that's why Twitter is so important. That's why the left is freaking out so much about Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter in that's why it's a good thing that he's releasing stuff like this. Um, so we at least are aware of it. Normal people can start to realize that us conservatives, we're not just paranoid conspiracy theorists with tinfoil hats on, you know, doing podcasts from their wardrobe closet. Uh, I'm not talking about anybody in particular. I'm not looking in a mirror at all right now. I promise you that. So uh, <laughs> that's why Twitter um, and all these stories are so important. So please keep paying attention to that one. Um, and the last thing to tie a bow on this, I'm just going to scroll to the end because I did think this was kind of cool too. Uh, I know the story is coming from the daily wire and you guys know, I love the daily wire. I'm a big, big fan. But at the end of the article, it says the daily wire reported four years ago, that Twitter is being, was taking action against accounts at the behest of political parties. This is a breaking news story. Refresh the page for updates. I love that because they have been. They've been saying this for years. Four years ago, they said. That's awesome. So they've been calling this for a long time now, and they've been laughed at and mocked by that political power structure, I guess, in the that public-private partnership going on there between the government and a company like big tech, uh, like these big tech companies like Twitter. Now that the owner of the company isn't going to play that game, it's phenomenal to see. Keep paying attention to that one. And that'll do it for the rights and wrongs of the week. I hope you guys enjoyed that format. And, uh, you know, I guess juice, this is about that time when we're going to go shift over to our come on man segment of the day. 
And before we jump into that, come on, man, uh, I do want to just remind you guys, please, please, please hit that like button underneath wherever you're listening to us. Hit the subscribe button so that you get um, notifications whenever we post our new content. I know we've been a little inconsistent with our schedule lately. We're busy guys. We have, uh, we have you know, full-time jobs. We both have two crazy kids, two awesome, awesome wives who are definitely not crazy at all. And... <laughs> And, you know, holidays and travel just like the rest of you guys. So, you know, please don't scold us too much for our uh, inconsistent schedule lately. But, you know, definitely give us a follow. Give us that five-star review. That stuff really, really helps. And, you know, what better thing to talk about when you're gathering with your family and friends during the holidays than um, the conservative podcast that you're listening to by none other than Brian Ruka and the Truth Box called The Right and Wrong Show. So please share that around. Talk about us. Let people know that we're out there because um, that's going to help us out a lot to be able to continue to create um, this content to share with you guys. So with that being said, let's go on to um, your favorite segment, the you know always fun, always popular, come on, man, segment of the day. And you know, for those of you who have been with us since the beginning, you know that this segment is designed to find somebody out there that says something just so ridiculous so out of left field, so absurd that pretty much the only thing we can say to them is, uh, come on, man. So uh, without further ado, let's get to um, today's star of the uh, segment, Juice. For all of your uh, love and care on my last post, um, here's here's my update. Sorry for the delay. My life is chaos on how I clicker trained my family to get my correct pronouns now that I'm a trans person. Um so first of all, a lot of people are asking what treat I was using. Um, if you don't know, for circus dogs, when they do something that we like, we click that behavior and then we give them a treat. Um, I did not use it as a positive marker like that for uh, my family because I'm not going to treat them for basic human decency. I instead used it as a negative marker. So every time they said she, I would click so that they would start to associate a click with a she in their head and would start to automatically self-correct. Um I forgot to take into account the fact that I have an auditory processing disorder and live at like a 15 second delay from everybody and everything else. And so um, I wasn't able to click as much as I wanted to. So it wasn't super effective on that aspect. I think I'm going to need a new invention that counteracts auditory processing in order to get that right. But I did explain to them what this was for and why I was doing it. And then I carabinered it to my hip at all times. And I definitely had several occasions where a family member would start to say something, look at it, pause, and then purposefully gender me correctly. And that happened at least three or four times. So it was effective, but not entirely. So there's my update for you. Do you guys understand what that lunatic was just talking about? She's sitting there saying that she clicker trained her family to correctly pronoun her or whatever. So she walked around with a clicker on her hip and every time people called her she, she would click the thing at them. Click, 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 click. That's wrong. Anytime they called her something else, I guess. She would positively reinforce them. I don't know. She, I mean, she said she didn't want to give them a treat for doing it correctly because it's just human decency. But um, human decency to me would be tell her to get that stupid clicker out of my face and go sit in your room until you're ready to converse and be normal with the rest of us, you weirdo. 
Like, what are we doing here? If I showed up to a family party and someone tried to tell me to do that with a straight face, I'd laugh at them. I'd say, oh, she'll be okay. Yep, no problem. And I would just keep doing it quick enough where she wouldn't be able to keep up with me because she does say that she suffers that, you know, auto, what what was it? Respiratory. That's not right. Um, reactionary, reactionary. I don't even know what she's talking about. She's making words up on us now, I guess. Either that or I'm just that dumb. I just didn't know what she was talking about. But either way, uh, I'd have the upper hand because I can quickly process my thoughts and actions and do things, you know, that she wouldn't be able to keep up with me. Like, oh, she's over there. She's doing a little bit over there. Um, What what else can she do for you? Do you need anything from her? She's going to get you that right away. Hey, ma'am, can you pass me that um <laughs> that plate of uh, mashed potatoes over there? Hey, miss, can you pass me the salt? Somebody grab her and uh, ask her to pass the drinks down. Can you guys um, ask that girl over there to pass me the uh, chutney, please? Sure. Yeah. Um, hey, miss, I'll take the squash when you got that. And she'd be trying to keep up clicking with me and she wouldn't be able to do it because she's, you know, processing things at a 15 second delay. So, uh, you know, she might get a click in on me eventually, but I'd be like, hey, what do I do? What do I do? What do you mean? Oh, no, that was a while ago. I was talking to you. Uh, I was talking to that girl. I was talking to her. I was talking to this one, miss. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I would have a field day with this girl. She would uh, probably not like that all too much. I mean, what are we doing here? This thing right there, like, like that could be a phenomenal SNL skit. And I'm telling you, like, if I ever can get, um, you know, an elevator pitch with those guys from the Daily Wire, if I ever find myself shoulder to shoulder to Mr. Shapiro um, or the guy from Jeremy's Razors, I would pitch them the idea to do a conservative style format of um, SNL and play that on the Daily Wire live on Saturday nights because the real SNL is garbage and conservatives are much funnier than liberals nowadays. And how great would that be as a spoof skit? This ridiculous trying to train their parents into into clicking along with the right pronouns to her. And then you just get that uncle who comes in not playing the game. Making her melt down. Oh, it'd be awesome. Uh, I actually can't keep up with you guys. I'm on a 15-second delay here, so, uh, you know, bear with me on my clicks. But if you click, if you if you call me the correct pronoun, I'll give you two clicks and uh, a piece of cornbread. And if you're wrong, I'll get you a click and you have to eat the, um, the weird uh, stuffing over there. Okay? Yeah. Get out of here with that nonsense. I am so sick of these pronoun clowns that, you know, we have to continue to just keep making fun of them like this because that's what they deserve. They're putting their mental disorders out there in the public eye and expecting us to just go along with it. And I'm sorry, you might think I'm mean. You might think this is rude, but it's much more compassionate than anybody that was at that gathering with her that went along with that in allowed themselves to be trained like a dog by their weird, confused, mentally ill niece, daughter, sister, cousin, whatever she is. We need to wake up and, you know, I say it all the time, but we got to stop going along with this nonsense. So for that weird uh, girl who thinks she can train humans, you, my friend, have earned yourself one big old fat classic. Come on, man. And that's our show for today. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Look forward to speaking to you next week. And I guess that's all I have to say to you. So uh, 
Thanks for having me. The Right and Wrong Show is produced by Juice. Executive producer, Juice. Audio mixer is Juice. Hair by Skull Shavers. Wardrobe and makeup by Ashley Ruka. Right and Wrong Song created by Juice. The Right and Wrong Show is copyright 2022 from Brian Ruka.